And a name on the front is a hell of a lot more important than the one in the back. Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. Wham! Cut sap. First try. Why are you so serious? He's a fast killer. I love the smell of night pump in the morning. I'm freaking pumped. I've been drinking green tea all goddamn day. I don't know. I have a bad feeling about this. Hello, everybody. You are listening to the Good Day for a Movie podcast. I am joined, as always, by Sage. Yeah. And Tate. What's up? How we doing? Sage, welcome. Welcome back to America. I guess it's good to be back. I don't even fucking know anymore. You can tell the people as much or as little as you would like. He, his face, his head is in his hands. His glasses are off. He looks very stressed out. I went to a crazy EDM festival in Europe. I got COVID and I had to get positive, or I had to get tested walking to the airplane. So as I was walking to the airplane, I got tested and they said, you're positive, you can't fly today. And I said, uh, huh? <laughs> And then I said, what now? so uh, what do I do? And they're like, I don't know. And I was like, do <laughs> I talk to someone? And they're like, you're on your own. And I was like, uh, so then they said you should call the U.S. Embassy. So I checked into the U.S. Embassy and they said that they don't help with COVID. Uh, so then I called seven hotels, six of which said they didn't want me because I had COVID. Um, one of them... <laughs> finally said okay we'll take you and then uh there is a strike uh for my airline lufthansa the next day so they canceled over a thousand flights and so the soonest flight i could get home was about 13 days later or i could buy myself a new flight when i finally tested negative and i'm broke so that's where we're at sponsor us i flew I had 24 hours of travel on Tuesday. Uh, Oh, this was fun. Um, It was supposed to be 21, uh, but my connection in Chicago to Denver, uh, my flight was 30 minutes late because we sat on the taxi for 30 minutes. Customs was an hour and 15 minutes. So I had, when I got to security, I had 15 minutes to get to my gate. And I asked this TSA agent very nicely, Hi, I'm about to miss my connecting flight. Is there any way I could get through the line faster so that I can make my flight? And she looked me in the eyes and she said, oh, yeah, you can follow the person in front of you. And I wanted her soul to burn for the rest of eternity. And I was very close to saying something I didn't. Instead, I just mouthed to her, fuck you, and I got in line. And then I missed my connection and I didn't get home till 10. And then I worked the next morning at 8. So, you so missed, I'm very tired. You missed the connection flight because of that? Yes. Yes, I missed my. F- I'm, the gate closed three minutes before I got there. Wait, man, that is brutal. Yeah, I ran up to the gate, and the, I said to Denver, and she said, "This is to Denver." I just closed the gate, and I turned around and threw my backpack, and I just sat down on the chair and just put my head in my hands, and I was this close to punching someone in the face because United was very nice enough when I was getting off the plane, saying, "Hey." 
Um, if you have a connection, we told everyone to hold the gates for open for you because you might be tight. And I said, oh, how nice. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> Basically right. not flying internationally for like a year. So who and are we? I, who are we? I don't know. I podcast? wouldn't. I wouldn't ever fly international again. Are we? How are you? Are we? Every airport's or? fucked. Every airline is fucked. Every human lost every sense of common decency, and they're fucked. I hope that woman in Chicago has the worst day of her life at some point in the near future, because she's the worst person I encountered on that whole trip. Um, besides that, I had a good time at the festival. So. That's good. That's good that that was fun. Yeah. Tate, did you have something you wanted to say? Well, I was just going to say, did you like feel like you had COVID or anything walking up? Yeah. To did, were you, did you feel sick? Were you like, oh, shit, don't, don't test me? Or were you just like insanely surprised that you were positive? Yeah. The first thing I said was, are you sure this isn't a false positive? Because I feel fine. A little hungover, obviously, but fine. And he said, no, you're, he said in his words, his exact words do were, dude, you're a flaming positive. You're not flying today. And then, then he showed me the test, and he was like, I'm very certain that this is positive. And I tested positive for the next six days. So, Were you ever, like, sick? Did you ever feel bad? Uh, only, like, three days I felt it. And then only one of those days I was kind of, like, in bed all day. During your, like, quarantine? Yeah, I was, yeah, in the hotel. Oh, boy. And you didn't have a computer? I had my phone. You had your phone. And you weren't able to, like, leave the hotel? That was the craziest thing. She said that if I wasn't really feeling any symptoms i could do whatever i wanted and i was oh, like nice. huh? and all the danish people are like yeah you can do whatever you want and i was like what is going on i'm not allowed to fly because i'm coming <laughs> and you're letting me you're cool with me going into restaurants and stuff i still wore my mask because i felt uncomfortable about it but you should have just asked you should have been like can i go buy a hazmat suit and then get on this plane <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was yeah that's my wild. flight home that my new flight that i bought home didn't require tests or masks. Oh, I was gonna no. say, is that like was that like an airline thing, or was that just like a all yeah, it was airlines? An airline. So it wasn't all every airline. It was just that one. Just just Lufthansa. Damn. Well, I flew with COVID when I saw Tate over President's Day weekend a few months ago. That was fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Trust me, I was very willing to fly with COVID. Oh yeah. Hey, when uh, you when you got to get home, you got to get home. Yeah, when you got to get home, that's the paper really trail tough. showed up. That yeah. Once the paper trail showed up, there was no way I was going. Yeah. Who would have thunk when May or March of 2020, we'd still be here <laughs> getting a COVID test yeah. before a flight. I did. People don't like letting go of power. I think I said that. So this is going to go. I was nervous forever. about yeah, monkeypox the whole time. Oh, yeah. And then I fucking got COVID. Let's let's get to this pick here. It is It was my pick. I was on a couple of weeks ago now, the Deuce Cast movie show, and Michael brought up the movie heat from 1995 directed by Michael Mann. And I said, you know, I've never seen it. And all three of them were like, Oh my gosh, you need to watch it. And I was like, all right, you know what? I wasn't too sure what I was going to pick next. And it's my pick is coming up. So I think I'm going to pick that. Um, so heat from 1995, a group of high end professional thieves start to feel the heat from the LAPD when they unknowingly leave a clue at their latest heist Starring for the first time ever with scenes together, Al Pacino and Robert De Niro, as well as Val Kilmer, John Voight, Tom Sizemore, Amy Brenneman, Ashley Judd, Allstate Man, Natalie Portman, William Fitchner. What's Hegazaria. Allstate Man's real name? What? What's Allstate Man's real name? Dennis Haysbert. Mm, okay. Never going to remember, but just curious. Or 
President Palmer from 24. Three-hour um, movie? Yeah, two hours and 50 minutes. I did not realize that when I picked it. Um, I probably would have held off on picking it it's a if long I had point. known that. Um, yeah, Sage, we already got Tate's reaction. Sage, what was your reaction when you found this? Found out that this is what we were watching. Well, we were supposed to review it yesterday, uh, which was my first day back. And I got home and I was like, all right, I guess I can watch a quick movie and do this review. <laughs> and then I Googled Heat and saw two hours and 50 minutes. And I was like, just laying on my couch laughing. <laughs> like, it just keeps going, doesn't it? That's, you know, like, like you've kind of hit that like breaking point is where you just start laughing after all that. Wow. I was like, they, these guys really want me to watch a three hour movie. And then after do a I podcast just, right after you watch the three-hour movie. I had a full hour or a full day of work after I got home at 10 after being awake for 24 hours and then review after a three-hour movie. They really, they want that from me. I was like, no. I texted them and I said, no, it's not going to happen. We're reviewing them. Yeah. Yeah. So, so did you I, watch didn't, I watched an uh, hour and 45 minutes last night and I finished it just before this. Yeah. I also split it into two because I tried to watch it before doing something. Yeah. Yeah, because of the continuous, um, we're going to review it Monday night. We're going to review it Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night. I I watched it all tonight. I was going to watch half of it yesterday, but then I was just like, I am exhausted and I want to stay awake for this movie. So I I also watched it. I finished it about 830 or so and it. We started this at like 930. So, yeah, I guess anybody got anything else? All right. Well, see you on the other side. on the street have no attachments allow nothing to be in your life that you cannot walk out on in 30 seconds flat if you spot the heat around the corner in the city of los angeles recognize the mo mo is that they're good if you think these guys are scoring once and passing through i doubt it a relentless police detective is on the trail what do we got? of a master thief. Your fugitive number one with a bullet is double the risk here. You're wrong. It's four times the risk, and I'm double the worst trouble you ever had. Clear! And his reckless partner. The bank is worth the risk. You should take it down. I want full surveillance. 24 hours, round the clock. We never close open seven days a week. Assume they got our phones. Assume they got our houses. Assume they got us. Bam. Bye-bye. They get more daring with every score. What's the estimate? 12.2 million. You're up. But one cop. He's here. I can feel it. Is closing in. Whatever score they're going to take next, they're going to have the surprise of a lifetime. Now, for the first time, Academy Award winner Al Pacino and Academy Award winner Robert De Niro collide. If I'm there and I gotta put you away, I'll tell you, you are going down. What if you do got me boxed in and I gotta put you down? Because no matter what, you will not get in my way. I will not hesitate for a second. Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, Val Kilmer in a Michael Mann film. Heat.
she's got a great ass. <laughs> I was told that that's a very memorable line in this movie going into it. Yeah. Um, and I was waiting for it the entire time. <laughs> I was like, when is this going to come out? It was ad-libbed. Really? Al, yeah, Al Pacino made it up on the spot, and that's the take they used. Hank Azaria, that was his real, real reaction. He said it scared the shit out of him. Wow, <laughs> that's dope. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's it definitely little... surprised me. Yeah, It caught me off guard for sure. I was like, wait, Al Pacino just said what? <laughs> uh, well, and it kept and going, I, too. Like It wasn't like a one line. It was like, yeah. and he kept it going. If that was a, on the spot, he really and got, you got your it. head so far up there. Um, here's the IMDB trivia piece in the director's commentary Michael Mann noted that Al Pacino improvised the line because she's got a great ass Hank Azaria confirmed it saying that Al Pacino's unexpected outburst scared the hell out of me he just actually terrified me and that is his look of shock was not acting at all (laughs) that was so great Al Pacino's fucking great in this movie we can can go into initial reactions and then go into all that stuff but um yeah, I guess I'll I'll start. Uh, this reaction was I fucking love this movie. I was already I was already excited from the um, synopsis and from the cast, and then I also talked to somebody. Oh, our good friend Chris, who jumped on a couple episodes ago. I talked to him, and he was he was similar to your Deuce Cast friends. He was like, "Oh my god, you've never seen Heat," um, and so he was like so tempted to just like rave about it. And um, yeah, anywho, he just. The, the way that he was kind of reacting to it, I was like, okay, mm-hmm. this is going to be a good movie. Um, and it lived up to it. It was, it was a fantastic movie. Um, I actually really, like, the length was perfectly fine. Like, this is a movie mm-hmm. where this length works for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I fucking love this movie. It was awesome. Yeah, I totally agree. I, like I said, I almost watched this, like, the last four days. But every single time I was driving home from work, I was like, fuck, I, I just don't think I can... Like I, I was just like I'm not I'm not in the mood for it. I, I just don't think tonight's the night. And I was just gonna wait till the last possible minute. And then today, when I was driving home from work, I was like, "Hell yeah! I'm gonna go home and, and watch Heat. I'm gonna start it as soon as I get home. This is gonna be awesome." And I absolutely loved it. Yeah, Sage. Yeah, it was a very good movie. Nice. I, yeah, that for Sage is <laughs> our version of it. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I De Niro and Pacino. Like I. I have not seen like all of the great Pacino and De Niro movies. So when people talk about how great of actors they are, I think of like old Robert De Niro. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I guess, but he was also in dirty grandpa. Yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) And like, this is where you see like, Oh no, like those people are right. They're saying it for a reason. These two are like top of the line. Val Kilmer was awesome. Um, Everybody just absolutely killed it. Yeah. So real quickly at the, for the, very beginning of the film because at least you you read the synopsis to me i didn't even like look at the trailer i didn't even like obviously i don't like look into things i like to be i like to jump into it just knowing the unless synopsis. it's the fugitive yeah then you read the wikipedia before you watch it yeah and i cliff note it and i don't actually watch it um but for this one does it say who is who um it, like in the synopsis it does you can't tell who's who like who's no. gonna be the criminal and who's the uh-uh. prosecutor um no or the person uh, whatever. Yeah, who do you call that? The uh, what was his name? Alpacino's character, detective. Is he a detective? Um, I don't know. Lieutenant, I think. Yeah, Lieutenant like, Vincent yeah. Hanna. Lieutenant is what they called him. Something. Anywho, Hanna. Um, at, at in the very first couple scenes, I wasn't sure who was going to be who. I knew it was. I knew it was Alpacino kind of versus um, 
uh, De Niro, but I wasn't sure. And like, and because they, they both like the first couple scenes of De Niro, he's like sharply dressed. Um, or no, actually, the first scene he was in the uh, he was grabbing the ambulance, I think, the first time we see him. Oh, um, yes. And I was kind of like, that was a long time ago. Yeah, that was, but <laughs> anyhow, I, I remember like looking at it, I was just like, for a while, I couldn't tell who was who until he obviously starts robbing the truck. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, ah, okay, we are set. Now I know this, now I know where we stand. Um, but everything about De Niro, I thought throughout the whole movie, um, was almost non like, uh, like just too smooth of a criminal to really act like a criminal. If that makes sense. Like he was, um, at least like in his personality and the way he like interacted on the streets and like with his girlfriend. And, um, I mean, he got, he grabbed a coffee with this guy and he was just so level headed and chill and not crazy at all. Uh, he was very methodic and smart. Like he, he just was almost too good at his job to seem like a criminal, like Val Kilmer totally seemed like a criminal. Everybody else that he worked with had criminal written all over their face. Um, but he was the only one. And I like that about him and his character throughout the whole movie is that he kind of seemed uh, one step ahead of everybody else in, and in, in so detail oriented that he just seemed on a whole nother level, which is cool. Yeah, totally. I, um, I, I was, I was kind of the same way. I was like, I, like I, w- I wonder who's going to be who because I, I I looked at the cast list, but I didn't like read their character names. I guess because if I would have seen the LT in front of Al Pacino's character, I'd have been like, oh, he's the cop. But like the whole time, I was like, either one of these guys like could play a cop. Yeah, like could play a cop or, or could a detective. Play yeah, criminal. Um, kind of like Tommy Lee Jones did in um, fugitive. the Fugitive, where like he, he Tommy Lee Jones could totally play a like bank robber as well. Like these like high class actors they can kind of do either one when there's there's some people like val kilmer probably wouldn't play like a detective detective if he was playing a detective it would be a different type of character i guess well and just I, from what he's played and whatnot i was kind of pleasantly surprised because in my head i think i saw al pacino as the bad guy mm-hmm. um and so right yeah well i mean it makes sense right yeah. scarface godfather exactly. casino yeah so that's why that was my initial reaction is i was like all right, in with all of these other movies going on at this time, I was like, Al Pacino's got to be the bad guy in this. That'd be cool if they didn't. And then when they when he becomes like the detective or like the level headed uh, guy who's trying to catch the criminals, I was like, oh fuck yeah, very cool. And they both, yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, they both fucking killed it. Yeah, I I wasn't super surprised when he was the detective because I the last Al Pacino movie I think I've seen is Insomnia, mm. um, the Christopher Nolan one. Have you seen it? No. Yeah. Oh, it's it. Let's say Robin Williams. Robin Williams you know, is the bad Hillary guy. Hillary Swank. I don't think I did. It's did I? Based in Alaska. Yeah, yeah it's in Alaska. It. The sun doesn't go down. We all watched it. I no, don't, we, I did not watch it with you guys, but Tate and I watched it like in the first six months of COVID. Oh, one sec. Let me look up the cover of it. Because I think we made a deal that I had to watch Dunkirk if you watched Insomnia. Because I didn't want to mm. watch Dunkirk. Dunkirk's on. Oh, I looked up in Insomnia and it just gave me the definition of the. Mm. Put movie behind yeah. that. <laughs> or film. Oh, man. I would need to see a trailer of this. The cover doesn't <laughs> even do it for me. You sure I watched this? Yeah, we watched it together. Hillary Swank, Million Dollar Babies in it. Yeah. <laughs> nothing about this cover is saying that I've seen it. <laughs> well, it's, it's not a very. The cover doesn't really remind you of the movie. Sometimes, I don't know. Sometimes it might, but. Yeah, that time it didn't. I'm, I'm saying this cover doesn't. Oh, okay, yeah. I yeah. don't know. I'd have to watch a trailer, and it probably would jog my memory. I literally can't even think. Of, <laughs> oh, no, 
You're an idiot. <laughs> we made this deal, and then I probably just like totally blacked out and watched Insomnia with you. You probably got high. Yeah, I probably got so high. <laughs> um, okay, anyways, Sage, what are some of your thoughts on this movie? Oh, boy. Well, and if we want to continue on this, I don't know. Uh, like, I think we can kind of continue on this Al Pacino, yeah, that's fine. Um, De Niro kind of circle. Because I think there's yeah, a lot there. Um, like, one of the, my favorite scenes in this whole movie is when they meet and they grab a coffee. Um, but I, I love how um, basically they're both flawed pieces they're they're both so flawed in their personal life that but they're so they excel so much in their work life that they almost just accept that they can't have a personal life um and like I, i like how al pacino isn't this all perfect person who he's like he catches all the bad guys and he like has a like has a perfect wife and a family and a home and like um because i feel like that's just the typical kind of route that you'd give a detective um, and then the role that, like, I, I feel like a typical role you'd give the criminal or like this crime Lord, um, is kind of like a, I don't like, maybe he doesn't care about his like personal life. Um, but I think Robert De Niro cared to have his personal life, but just wasn't like knew that he couldn't really. Um, but I, I like that they're basically two sides of the same coin. And then that, and that coffee shop scene is what really, uh, tied it all together for me where he says something like, you like, they both kind of were saying, he's like, well, I know what I'm good at and I'm not going to stop what I'm doing. And he's just like, well, that's the same with me. I know. I also know what I'm good at and I'm not going to stop what I'm doing. And they both kind of looked at each other and they're like, okay, well then there's only one, one conclusion to this and it's just going to come down to me versus you. And they're like, cool, that sounds good. But they almost had like a mutual, I mean, they did. I think they said it like a mutual respect for each other. At least Al Pacino has like was mentioned to having a respect for Mm -hmm. De Niro. But I think that they both saw that they were, very very similar at their core um just two different roles yeah you know what i just realized i think insomnia it's not it's not actually it's not supposed to be i don't know if anybody's ever said this before i think insomnia is a sequel to heat because al pacino is an la detective and like they are pretty similar characters Mm -hmm. you know what i mean that's crazy that would be very clutch. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so that, that sit-down scene between De Niro and Pacino, um, there's another little bit of trivia about that. In an interview with Al Pacino on the DVD special, Pacino revealed that for the scene in the restaurant between Hannah and Macaulay, De Niro felt that the scene should not be rehearsed so that the unfamiliarity between the two characters would seem more genuine. <sighs> Michael Mann agreed and shot the scene with no practice rehearsals. God, that's awesome. That's so fucking cool. Because that's kind of how it felt. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. when you watched it, they it felt like they had never been in the mm-hmm. same room together. Like that they just kind of like were both very reserved and quiet and like hesitant to say anything to the other. Um, oh man, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. The, I, this movie is awesome. I don't know if, how I've never heard of it. It wasn't nominated for a single Oscar. Insane. Um, just bizarre. Well, and so this will, I, I guess I'll throw this out there now. Cause I read this um, and it'll kind of maybe apply it to everything we talk about but it applies a lot to this coffee shop scene. Um, so this movie is based on true events. So there was a, um, a criminal that um, was, his name was Neil McCauley, which is the name of uh, De Niro's character. And so there was a criminal named Neil and like who went to prison for something um, and then got transferred to another prison, which they mentioned about De Niro's character like before he got let out again. 
And basically, there's a lot of things in this movie that happened in real life. Um, and, so- and how about this? Wangro, Kevin Gage, is based on a real Chicago criminal named Wangro, who ratted out some influential Chicago criminals. According to Michael Mann, Wangro went missing. His body was found in northern Mexico where it had been nailed to the wall of a shed. Holy fuck. <laughs> that is not the way to go out. <laughs> no. Um, but oh, so that's so cool because like when I was that's another one that I didn't know that was kind of based off true events. Um, but like the, this, so this coffee shop scene was something that actually happened between the mm. detective that was hunting down the real um, Neil McCauley in the early '60s, and so like, so yeah, so basically this this um, um, Neil McCauley was this high end criminal that was doing these bank robberies and like and it said like uh, diamond drill bit ro- robberies which they mentioned in the movie too. And at some point, uh, the detective in real life kind of was getting on his case, kind of similar to the movie. And then it said that at, at some point in real life, they did confirm that there was a, they sat down and had a coffee with each other. Um, and then there is another bank robbery scene where, or there's another bank robbery that McCauley tried to get away with, with his crew of him and three other men, which is supposed to be reenacted in like the scene with the, the shootout in the streets. Um, and that actually happened in Chicago. So like they got... They, they tried to get in their getaway car in real life. They, and the police had already had them nailed down that they were going to do this, that they had them pretty much pinned. Um, the heat was on. And they blocked off all the exits for this bank. And when the people, when his crew realized that they couldn't get out, like they drove down an alley, it said, and then when they realized, he said that they all opened fire um, on the police. And so like, mm-hmm. and that two of the crew died. One of them got shot and got away and later died. And it said that in that same day, Macaulay, the Neil Macaulay died and got shot in somebody's front lawn when he was trying to run. So like that whole like shootout in Chicago did happen, which is hmm. insane too. So anywho, there's, there's just like a couple of based on true events. Um, that is really fucking cool about this movie. Yeah. Let's go ahead and talk about that shootout scene because it was amazing. I just read another thing that said not a single, they didn't use a sound stage a single time, which is awesome. But, um, this is the first piece of trivia on IMDb on the page. Rather than dubbing in the gunshots during the bank robbery shootout, which is what they usually do, Michael Mann had microphones carefully placed around the set so that the audio could be captured live. The This added to the impact of the scene because it sounded like no other gunfight shown on screen. And it did. Like, the sound design on that was just fucking incredible. So when I was talking, or when I said that um, I was talking to Chris about this movie... This is the scene that he talked about. He didn't mention mm-hmm. about like anything else. He said, but when you watch, he's like, there is a scene with some gunshots that has been noted as one of the best sound editing scenes ever. Mm-hmm. And it's because, yeah, so like with the skyscrapers, um, Michael Mann, I guess, wanted to use uh, legitimate firearms and just mm-hmm. but like with blanks, but he mm-hmm. wanted to use legitimate firearms and they placed mics all throughout, like the, like on the buildings. So it would capture like the, um, the echo or like reverb, the, yeah. Yeah, the reverb of the gunshots throughout the buildings and it sounded he was like so keep your eye out for that scene and it was mm-hmm. so fucking cool dude oh. it was unreal like i might rewatch it yeah like that before my scene, rental period runs out that whole scene was unreal i was like on the edge of my seat probably mm-hmm. for that entire because i didn't know like i didn't see them getting captured at that point or at least like like you kind of know that like they're the cops hear about it and they're coming but i thought mm-hmm. that they're gonna get away and so when mm-hmm. that gun when that gunfight starts, I was like, "Oh fuck, this is insane!" Mm-hmm. So yeah, good. it was um, the whole movie. I mean, the part where 
all of the helicopters are flying overhead. I can't remember exactly what part that was now. Um, when they're tracking De Niro before the coffee? Maybe that's when it was. No, I think it was after the coffee. I can't, gosh darn, I can't remember now. I can't remember if it was that last, no, it, it was before that last scene. Maybe it was when everybody was running out of the hotel. But my like ARQ um, speakers that like bounce the sound off the ceiling to make it sound like you've got overhead speakers, they worked. It like it sounded like there were just helicopters everywhere, and I was like, "This is fucking awesome!" <laughs> I was I was just in my happy spot during that. <laughs> Sage thoughts on any of that? <clears throat> I have nothing to add. It's all on point. Okay, well. Y- Feel free to interrupt us whenever you want. Feel free to say something that you thought was cool or, you know, anything. Whenever mm-hmm. you want. Danny Trejo. Oh, um, that was the other thing. So in the in the synopsis when it says so we're kind of we're bouncing around a little bit now, but um in the synopsis when it says that they left a piece of evidence which brings the heat onto them. What does like at what point was there evidence left? I don't think like I was looking I was keeping my eye out for it. But they didn't really seem to leave any evidence. They just kind of, I think it was just the first person that kind of gave them a name. Like the, the first thing that uh, Al Pacino got was oh. from the club owner or whatever. No, it was from the TV, the hobo with the TV. Yeah. He said oh, somebody called somebody slick. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, oh, is that maybe the, that's just I maybe guess. the little bit of, okay. Because I was trying to think about what that piece of evidence that they left is. It was the only lead that they had. Yeah, yeah, but that like I guess slick is the thing that kind of that's it. it that doesn't yeah. I don't like I don't like the, I I didn't even like comprehend the, the synopsis. Um, synopsis, but I I don't like it. I think it's not a yeah well, the whole well leaves leave. yeah when because I remember that's the only thing I paid attention Maybe to. Maybe the detective finds one small clue and yeah. is able to turn the heat on. How about that? Yeah, I like that more because I was kind of keeping my eye out. I was keeping my eye out for like, uh, like what they were going to leave, um, and they it it was really nothing other than just word of mouth clues, but that it had to have been slick. Yeah, I guess that was that was the only thing. Yeah. Um. So I thought you were going to bring up what I said. Danny Trejo. Danny Trejo was in this movie. Yeah. No, that was a that was a tough tough scene for him. Tough uh role for him in the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very tough. And so my second note, I can't, I'm not exactly sure who Al Pacino was talking to. I think it was maybe the Allstate man's brother. It was, it was the black guy. It was the first black guy he talked to. Oh, the, he's, he's, the one that was working like, at the uh, junkyard, kind of the garage. Yeah. I wasn't fully like zeroed into the movie at that point yet. And so I, I kind of missed it but then he's like oh my brother's in phoenix and al pacino's just started singing the glenn campbell song by the time we get to phoenix i i i employed him because i knew you was coming this a.m that's a bunch know. of bullshit no no i swear he he said no because he in phoenix ah uh, by the time listen, i get listen, to man, phoenix I swear, I swear man tonight's the best be I can rising. he'll probably leave a note right on the door and i was like i did not know i needed to hear it uh, Al Pacino sing Glenn Campbell. Don't know you the guys song. probably don't know the song. By the time I get to Phoenix, she'll be rising. It's very good. One thing that I did read that um, this kind of goes into Al Pacino's like uh, his interactions <laughs> with everybody 
is that it, I read that um, he pictured the character that he played, this detective guy, this lieutenant, to be coked out a lot. So that was an, an original treatment of the script. It was the first script he had a cocaine addiction. Oh, okay. Michael Mann said, yeah. Because that, like, those, which definitely so, makes sense. And some of those scenes, like with that guy and with the um, the big old ass scene, like, it kind of <laughs> yeah. seems like he's a little, like, tweaky, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. little on edge. Totally. Uh, let's see. Jeremy Piven, Ari Gold, yeah. Montourage was the that doctor. Was awesome. <laughs> That was um, dope. Which honestly, <laughs> like, how old is he in Entourage? If he was like, I guess Entourage is in like the mid two thousands, but he looked I think so. He looked almost like the same. He looked barely younger in this, but not like I. If when I saw his face, I was like, holy shit! How does he? Is he like? Ages? He looked older because he was kind of like balding in this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he lo- I thought he looked older too. He looked like older. Yeah. I thought he looked a little bit younger, but like barely, not like. 20 years younger well so i've never seen entourage so when he popped up i was like i know that guy i've seen the entourage movie i've not seen the show oh he actually had hair in entourage yeah and this one he was like i've seen lots of pictures of entourage i've just have not gotten to the show yet there's another fun one the sergeant was uh bubba from forrest gump bubba gump oh the black guy that was al pacino's side bubba gump shrimp sure enough huh i'm pretty sure he's bubba Hopefully. Wow. That'd be bad if I was yep, wrong. Definitely. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> bad if I was wrong. No, you're, you're, you're exactly well, I've right. I've seen Forrest Gump like 12 times. I should probably recognize Bubba. Um, the nice. Natalie Portman. Oof. Oh. Suey scene was unexpected and incredibly intense. Yes. That was insane. I, I, wow. I, I thought Robert De Niro was going to be in the hotel room. When he walked in, because I knew there was something going on, yeah, and I couldn't figure out. I was like, "Why does the carpet look so weird there? It was wet." Yeah, and I, I was like, "What is happening? Is Robert De Niro in there? He's like hiding behind the curtain or something." And he walks back into the bathroom and he freaks out. And I was like, "What is happening?" And then we see it. We see her in there. I'm like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, that came out of left field. And I thought it was the whole mad magma magman, the last guy to die. Whatever oh. his nickname was. Ma- yeah, Mandalorian. Wayne Grow. Wayne Grow. <laughs> I thought it was Wayne Grow. Yeah, and then at first I thought, I'm like, Jesus Christ, did Robert De Niro kill her? And I was like, that's so dark. I wouldn't expect him to do that. And then I was like, okay, no, I think it was a, it was an attempted suey. And then I was like, okay, this is a te- intense again. Once I figured out what was happening, that was so intense. And that was it. It seemed like like you almost forget about her, which mm-hmm. um. And that's that's one of the things that I really like about this movie is that they do incorporate the personal life of every single mm-hmm. one of these criminals and even um, Al Pacino into the movie. Um, and you almost, but you almost like forget that a lot of this like personal shit is happening in all their lives. Like mm-hmm. that he has a failed marriage for his third marriage, mm-hmm. and that she's basically cheating on him in front of his face, and she doesn't really care for her daughter. Or I mean, doesn't care for her daughter. She um, probably isn't like I don't know the best mom, but. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly the kid, Natalie Portman just is depressed as shit. Cause she doesn't have like any parental figures. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but she knows the closest she's got. Yes. Um, but like anywho, so incorporating all of like the, the side family troubles was awesome. And this one was a crazy out of left field, but it, it was intense. That's like, yeah, that's the best way to say it. Yeah. Sometimes including all of those like 
super personal details and like crime action movies is like, all right, come on fast and the furious. What are we doing here? Like the only reason we're here is for the cars going into space. Boom, shit. boom, gun pow, Yeah. Yeah. And so, but this, it really shapes the characters and you know where they're coming from. You know, where Val Kilmer's character is coming from. You know that De Niro will drop anybody the moment the heat gets turned on, you know, Al Pacino is just a dead person walking like his wife tells him and all of their interpersonal relationships just show that. Well, and they do a really good job of setting it up in the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Like, because if this would have came, like if we didn't really know Natalie Portman and like, we didn't know why she was so sad and depressed. um, We wouldn't like this, this scene would have been like, why did they include this? This is so crazy. We don't have any context for it. But they really set up the scenes well um, and the, the uh, yeah, all the interactions and all the relationships really well at the very beginning. Like, you know, Val Kilmer's wife is very unhappy with her relationship right from the beginning um, because he has a gambling addiction. And then you, you see that, what's her face? The Al Pacino's wife is pretty unhappy at the very beginning because he's just not talkative at all. He's almost a zombie around the house. And that translates also to Natalie Portman's character. And then you see also um, the troubles that what's his face uh, De Niro's girlfriend kind of has with him. Um, I guess that doesn't show up till later, but for the most part, those two families you see throughout the film, and they do a really good job of shaping the characters mm-hmm. through that. Sage, I, I'll add something if there's something. To add. Okay, no. <laughs> sounds good. I don't really feel like regurgitating. Um, the. Uh, Cheating on lover guy, you recognize him at all? The cheating Al Pacino's wife, yeah, yeah, the, she, that she cheated on Al Pacino with Ralph, yeah. He was, um, in 24, he was in Terminator 2, Air Force One, Shanghai Noon, The West Wing, and just a character actor. But the reason I bring him up, he actually played Wangro in L.A. Takedown from 1989, and Heat is a remake of that movie. Huh. But... Weird. But, do you know who directed and wrote L.A. Takedown? Michael Mann, the person who directed and wrote this. Whoa, that was a plot twist I did not see coming. (laughs) (laughs) Right? When I... At at the end of the movie, I was looking at IMDb, and at the... And I got right after the cast list on your phone, it shows more like this and it'll tell you remade as you might also like uh, what's been, what has like, what movies have remade been remade as this and whatnot. And if it's like in a series of movies, the movies that follow and come, come after or come before. And I was like, remade as I'm like, do you, do they mean this was remade later on? And I clicked on, it was like 1989. What in the world? And originally it was supposed to be, a Michael Mann wrote it for a, a TV pilot, hmm. but, but it got, it, it, it got dropped and he's like, well, screw it. I'll make it into a, like a TV movie, super low budget. And then a few years later, he was like, all right, I'm going to make that the right way. And with a bunch of money. Well, he did that then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is pretty big box office. Big BBB. Big box BBOB, big <laughs> box office budget. <laughs> yes, it was. Um, Sixty million dollar budget, worldwide gross one hundred eighty seven million. Opening opened at eight point four million dollars. 
Um, I, the only other things that I think I thought about bringing up was, um, I think doing a deeper dive into De Niro's character and his whole, mostly his whole, um, leaving. If you feel the heat leave, like be able to drop everything in 30 seconds. Um, Mm -hmm. and then, um, kind of the ending, but I, I like how, so I guess starting with the De Niro thing and it kind of maybe feeds into the ending. Um, I like how well, and I was told that um, this was one of the most accurate depictions of criminals um, and the way that they behave. Um, and I, I also read that uh, Michael Mann uh, made at least De Niro, Val Kilmer, and the other um, main guy out of the three. Um, he made them go have interviews or talk with real criminals in Folsom State Prison um, to get an idea of what. I don't know how they talked, how they acted, what they were like. Um, but anywho, the, the whole, I mean, like, I feel like I've, we've seen so many movies that like are, uh, crime based, but I feel like none of them really nail down this point as well as this movie does of, of how realistic that probably is. Like no matter what you're doing, like if, like if any, like any criminal who's probably at that level is like, if you feel the heat, like you need to be able to leave everything in your life. Um, not commit, not tie yourself down, not get committed to anything because if you want to save your own ass, you got to be able to get out of there. Um, and I thought that was, anyway, it felt real, very realistic. Um, and I like how it showed up in each character. Like you see it with Val Kilmer, Val Kilmer is like not able to do it. Um, you see it with, uh, well, I guess the other friend you don't, the other guy, you don't really see his personal life, but he says that he's like ready to quit. The- Danny Trejo wasn't able to. Yeah. Danny Trejo wasn't able to. Um, but De Niro is like the one out of all of them that was so committed to it and was so ready and able to, um, even if it like was the hardest decision for him, he was still like, that was the best. That was always going to be the decision at the end of the day for him. Um, so anywho, that I thought was a really cool aspect of this whole movie, um, that they kind of kept throughout. Um, and it shaped the ending really well yeah continuing on the realism aspect of it that uh the bank shootout scene they actually the marines show it to trainees on one they show val kilmer reloading and they're like this is how you reload fast like this is done perfectly they also show it as an example of how to perfectly retreat from a situation from a gunfight really firefight Mm -hmm. wow that's fucking that's so cool yeah, in June of 2002, the scene involving the shootout after the bank robbery was shown to United States Marine recruits at MCRD San Diego as an example of the proper way to retreat while under fire. Val Kilmer was thrilled to learn that the moment in the gun battle scene where he runs out of bullets and rapidly re- changes his magazine is regularly shown to Marine recruits as an example of how to perform the action properly. <laughs> That's dope. <laughs> that must feel really good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's awesome. And I I also want to talk about Val Kilmer for a little bit. He he after watching the documentary that he kind of put together called Val, it's on Amazon Prime. You guys should definitely watch it. It might make you tear up a little bit. Um, but it is so good. I think we I think I may have mentioned this when we talked about talked about Top Gun a couple times, but he was like a classically Juilliard trained actor. And you wouldn't expect it from the type of roles that he yeah. was kind of typecast in and whatnot. But um, 
he's just such a freaking cool dude and just has such a good outlook on life. So I, it, this is mainly for me to say, go watch the documentary on Amazon prime called Val. It's all footage for the most part that he took. Like he was like, he had a camera with him like all the time. He did a movie with, um, Oh God, the Godfather. Oh my God. Brain fart. Who played the Godfather? Marlon Brando. He did a movie with Marlon Brando late in Brando's career and like was filming Brando like behind the scenes stuff. It, it a really, really good documentary. All right. Well, that actually sounds kind of good. I don't, mm-hmm. I mean, cause I don't know Val Kilmer in anything other than now top guns and this, um, but yeah, he, he was fucking awesome. I mean, yeah. Performances across the board were unreal in this whole movie. Um, but he was, yeah, he fucking killed it. And that's awesome. Mm -hmm. that he gets to say that he taught Marines how to reload a gun. Right. Also, I mean, going off of the realism kind of thing, then the the phone calls and the way they used phones in this movie felt so real. I mean, I'm no Mm -hmm. criminal. I don't know. But like every time they used like the landlines and he said like he'd call and then like they'd answer and he'd be like, yep, call me right back at this one number, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know. it, It felt very well thought out and realistic. Yeah, and like sometimes I feel like some movies can uh, look past those details. This was made in, or came out in 1995. Tate and I were born in 1995, so we don't exactly have the uh, best knowledge of how phones worked in '95 until like I don't know, 2004 was probably when I can remember like how phones were kind of really used, or maybe a little bit earlier than that. But like it was just kind of landlines is the only yeah. reference I have. But like. That I and used a legitimate payphone like one time in my life. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever actually used one. Like I, I know how to use one, but yeah, you, you put the coin in and dial the number. But yeah, any like the use of phones too, and like mm-hmm. communication felt very realistic. Pagers. Yeah, Al Pacino kept getting paged. It's like, damn, a pager would be kind of cool. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like so that way, like you're not just like checking your work phone. And like you're like, oh, okay, I got a page. I'll call them back eventually. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It seems like an urgent thing when you get a page. Yeah. Give me a pager and just for the real important stuff. Like party at somebody's house Friday night. Page me. <laughs> um the other okay, so and it straying away from the realism. And before we get into the ending, real quick, this is the other thing that just came up to me. Um, the whole plot line with the bank CEO guy, uh Van Zant or whatever mm-hmm. was awesome. I loved that. That was kind of a side plot that just helped again. That was another side thing. So the whole main moving arc in this film is the Al Pacino versus De Niro. Um, and there's like other th- things happening that kind of help shape who they are. But the, everything with this like uh, Van Zant guy, Al Pacino doesn't really know about any of it for like the entire movie, but mm-hmm. it's such a big part to show you who De Niro is. Um, where he's just like somebody not to fuck with. And I loved the scene when um, like they tried to kill De Niro. And like for a second, I was just like, oh shit, he is not ready for this. And then when obviously they are very well mm-hmm. set up for that and like Val Kilmer gives him the hint and then they, yeah, oh God, that whole scene was dope. And then I like how yeah. Van Zant was just shitting his pants scared. And like I... I did not. I did not realize how, like, how they got caught. And like they said, the CI, the confidential informant, like told them that the bank robbery was probably going down here. And I was like, 
how who who could possibly be the CI? And I was like, what in the world? And then it wasn't until like they reveal it where like De Niro's like, oh, I think it's this guy. And I was like, oh, shit, that's right. I forgot about the whole Van Zant stuff. And so I was totally like in the dark too, which made it awesome. Yeah. Cause I like after like they're like finally get away from the fight and like he takes out of the grocery store. And I was like, I looked at how much time was left. I was like, there's still an hour left. What in the world? How are they? And then all of a sudden, like the other, like the, the side plot through the whole thing becomes like the main plot. And they kind of like started to yeah. meet at a, yeah, their, their roads started to meet. Mm-hmm. And it was mm-hmm. all at the, yeah, the bank scene. Cause like at the mm-hmm. bank scene is when Val Kilmer pretty much dies. His whole crew pretty much dies, and he's pissed that this all. Val Kilmer's still alive at the end of this movie. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's right. He did. Oh, I was reading the character that he's based on died in after Mm -hmm. the um, like kind of got shot but got away and then died later. Mm -hmm. But yeah, um, which we'll get into at the end. But like, and I like how so this whole botched plan all started from this guy Wangro, um, who ratted them all out to Van Zant, and so. But I like how De Niro is so committed to tracing the breadcrumbs back to Wangro. And like when he goes up to Van Zandt's house and he sees him and just shatters his window <laughs> and then just asks him like one time, he's just like, where's Wangro? And he's just like, oh, what? I don't know. Because like all those normally like those scenes will just be like they'll bicker back and forth for so long being like, where is he? Where is he? Where's Rachel? And then, <laughs> but he asks him one time and he's like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. And just doesn't even hesitate, pops him and says, mm-hmm. all right, I'm going to go find him. Good reference. Van Zant was also in the, the Dark Knight. Yeah, he was. I, this is going to be a real throwback. Remember in junior high when we had to make a video? Yeah. <laughs> That's who I played. Wow. In that video. that video. Do you, do we still have that? Cause I, I think you put know. it on YouTube. Oh, maybe I think Chris did. I don't know. Chris, oh, maybe so. Yeah, that's wow. God, we did good with that. <laughs> we did. It was really good. <laughs> yeah, Chris did scarily good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because here's the Joker, right? Yeah, yeah he kind of scared yeah. me how good he did it, Joker. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's bring up something that's a little bit awkward. Ashley Judd. Um, good performance. Beautiful woman. Which one was she? Um, she was. Uh, Val Kilmer's wife, baby oh, mama. I was lady. also told that she was told by Michael Manns to go talk to, um, like in the in, in the same prison when they all went to go talk to, um, or maybe not in the prison. Maybe it was uh, like women that got out of prison, but like basically prostitutes that t- were turned into like wives. So she had a little bit of a research that she did herself. But anyway, well, continue. she's also done some other things to herself. She's gotten a lot of plastic surgery. I didn't. I didn't realize what she looked like. Oh, that's that's whoa. not a fair picture. That's at her mom's funeral. But she is just all plastic now, and it just makes me so sad when they just plastic yeah, themselves up. Not, you know, she does not look like at all. Not great. Not great. Does not look like no. And she's so pretty. Yeah, ladies and men, for that matter, aging is a human thing and it's a good thing and it's a beautiful thing you don't need to get plastic surgery you don't the uh the lady that i knew in this movie was um de niro's girl she was the mm-hmm. mom in the leftovers and that's a show that i watched so that's surprisingly one of the people i recognize i kind of a big fan of amy brenneman after this movie i big fan of the frizzy hair 
Amy Brenneman is very... De Niro's girl. That's her name? Yeah, yes, okay. yes. That's, <laughs> that's the actress's name. Face. The character's name is Edie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Frizzy hair should come back. I like that look on ladies. It was good. Yeah. Big fan of that. Sage, how do you feel about frizzy hair? It was good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will, I'll give you an amen to that one. Did you like Edie? I did. I liked her hair. I agree. I liked Edie. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> okay, so that it was nice. It was nice and frizzy. I feel like I gotta every time Sage talks, I gotta shut up so I can gets his words in. Um. All right, let's go on to the ending. Sage, what did you think about the ending? I think I liked it. Um. Yeah, I mean, you kind of expected that it was going to end with Al Pacino winning and De Niro dying. Um. When. Oh, wasn't the guy with the mullet um, the dad of National Treasure? Yes. Yes, we have not talked about John Voight at all. John Voight is awesome. He's He was the other He did one, really yeah. good. Um, he was the other main one? He was, no, he was the guy with the mullet. That was yeah, like, like the long the hair. Boss, the long white hair that was... I think he had a mustache, oh. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mustache. yeah he was he, a weird role. What? He, he was a weird role, but... He's he's like a legendary actor. He was in Midnight Cowboy, um, Deliverance. He's so good in National Treasure, though. Wow. Yeah, he's very good in National Treasure. <laughs> um, yeah, John Voight. I love John Voight. Yeah. He, he's a he's a big C word. Cowboy. No, the other one. Pretty close. Same first two letters. Conservative. Oh. Ah, I was yeah. thinking the other C word. <laughs> no, he's not a. That's a much longer word than I was thinking. What were you thinking? The one that I just said? Well, I, I don't know. Cowboy was like maximum letters I could think mm, about. I was thinking gotcha. cow was what you were going to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, yeah it, 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 it was, was a weird much... character, but he kind of fit. I, I don't really... Yeah, yeah. no, it, I just basically saw him as the kind of boss or connector of deals. Like yeah. he was... Not necessarily, maybe not necessarily the boss, but just like the he's the, the plug. He's he's, he's yeah. their guy. Yeah. Anyways, I you kind of expected that that was going to be the ending, and when he was like, "You're home free," and he was like, "I'm home free," I was like, "He's gonna go after mm-hmm. Wanker, whatever his name is." And yeah, I don't know. Well, I thought it was all kind of strange. They just dropped it on Eddie Edie. It was, she was like, "Was this you and your friends?" He was like, "Yeah." Back up, we're going. And she was like, ah, and ran away. And he was like, no, no, no. And he did, the, he did the yeah classic thing where he's like, nope, you you cannot escape. I'm just gonna like hug you until you hug me back, and then it's ever all gonna be okay. Yeah. And then when she calms down, say, okay, you can leave if you want. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. He kind of he kind of fucked her up in the end. That was the one thing that I was just like, I like I was almost okay with him letting her go. Like being like, okay, I need to like at that time when she was just like, you and you all your friends did this, and he was like, yes, and I thought she was gonna like leave at that point, and I was like, okay, good for him to just let her go. Kind of weird that he like chased her down and convinced her. Whoa. He like started pouring himself like orange juice, and he's like, oh wait, she just ran out and like sprinted after her. Yeah, well, and then and like and to all that, I so I actually thought that um, he was going to like killing Van Zant. And then not and like just accepting. I thought that was like his like final straw. He was like, you know what? Fuck all this. He's like, I'm gonna kill Van Zant. He's like, 
he's the only person that I would ever know how to get a hold of Wayne Grow. Um, if I if he doesn't know, fuck him. I'm out of here. I'm gonna head out with Edie. And I kind of saw him like running away with Edie. In that last phone call, once he gets the call that he knows where it, it like the guy's at, I was like, "Yep, nope, this is not ending well for him." I was like, "He's definitely gonna go do this because that's just who he is." Mm-hmm. It's like the scorpion I, and the frog. I, I did like how Al Pacino hated rats. He's like, "You rat motherfucker," <laughs> even though that's like how he does his job by getting people to rat. Yeah, but he still just like loses like all respect for them once they do. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I I totally i i liked the ending they but i felt bad the, the, for yeah this the scene was very intense as well and like i don't think that's how airports work well like the plane is like half a mile away and then they light up the runway like super duper bright i don't think that's how it works i think it probably just stays lit maybe they did maybe yeah. they used to i don't know that was maybe. weird but but it, it made for a good good suspenseful yep little scene there to end it and then i like the little hand grasp that he gives him yeah he's like I think good that game. was kind of their yeah their <laughs> <laughs> little fist bump at the end says good if, if he wasn't laying on his ass he probably would have smacked him in the ass and said good game man <laughs> i do like to picture that good sportsmanship um uh, all right should we do the oscar thing well the only thing i was gonna say about the okay. ending is i also really like val kilmer's ending i like that yes he got a, like he got out mm-hmm. um i loved because i was so sad and she didn't rat on him exactly i was so sad when um they were asking her to rat and she didn't want to and she was ready to um and she like she goes outside and sees him i was like oh this is just heartbreaking um but then when she gives her clutch little hand signal and he gets in the car and drives away. I was like, oh, that, even more heartbreaking, but I'm happy. Like, mm-hmm. it was, oh, God, I love both of them. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. They're definitely getting back together at some point in the fictional world that is heat. Well, do they get back together in Insomnia? We don't know that. Val Kilmer's not in Insomnia. I thought it was a sequel. Wait, I'm sorry. I, I spaced out there. Who, who did you say gets, who gets back together? He's being bad. <laughs> Make, I, are you talking I was, about Kilmer? Yeah. I'm making a I joke. I was saying cause... Kilmer and his wife probably get back together in the fictional world of Heat. And then Tate yeah. said, do they in Insomnia? It was a joke. Because you guys were saying Insomnia is a sequel, basically. It could be. Yeah, It's so a was, spiritual sequel. So I was making a joke. Bad. Theoret- theoretically. All right. We're going to run down the Oscar categories and say it, it should have had a nomination slash win for this actor in a leading category. Nicholas Cage won for leaving Las Vegas. That's fine. He can still win. Richard Dreyfus. He's a good actor. I've never seen Mr. Holland's opus. Anthony Hopkins and Nixon. I like Anthony oh, Hopkins. Mr. He's Holland's a good... opus is so good. Is it? Yeah. Okay. So that's probably deserving. It. Sean Penn. Fuck you, Sean Penn. I don't like Sean Penn and dead man walking. And then how about this guy? Massimo Troisi from The Postman or El Postino, which is an international film. I've never seen it or heard of it, so it must have been pretty good to get nominated. So let's take Sean Penn out of there and give that to De Niro, actor in a supporting role. Who would you have put for leading actor? I'd have put De Niro and Pacino in a supporting role. You would put Pacino in a supporting? I think so. Wow. See, I I think I would would put Pacino in in the lead yeah, I mean, you could put them both in lead, but I don't. Studios don't like to do that because then they split yeah. votes. I think I would put Pacino in lead. 
But yeah, well, okay, so this isn't talking about who's the better actor. It's no, who's I know. And the this, main focus of the story. Yeah, and I think Pacino for me. Okay, either it's one. Definitely De Niro. Oh. Actor and supporting role, Kevin Spacey won for The Usual Suspects. <clears throat> wow, James. I mean, oh, my God. This is a, James, such a good year. James Cromwell um, was nominated for Babe, which is crazy. I, I know you guys haven't seen Babe, but Cromwell is the guy that was in LA Confidential, the crooked cop at the end. Are you talking about the pig movie? Yes. <laughs> He was nominated for that role, which I did not realize. Ed Harris for Apollo 13, good role. Brad Pitt for 12 Monkeys. I have not seen that. Tim Roth for Rob Roy. Let's kick no Tim Roth the fuck out. Wait, Rob Roy? <laughs> yes. People forget about Rob Roy. Yeah. Um, actress in a leading and supporting role, probably not a nomination for any of those. I mean, they were fine. They did their job well, but probably just not an Oscar. They didn't have enough Oscar worthiness. Um, art direction, fine, whatever. They used, they didn't use any sets, so I suppose that makes sense. Cinematography, though, are you kidding me? Yeah, incredible. I let me pull up the full cast here so I can give credit where credit is due. Um, Dante Spinati should have been nominated. Braveheart, Batman Forever, A Little Princess, Sense and Sensibility, and Shanghai Triad. Get Sense and Sensibility or Little Princess out of there. Get them all out. Throw heat in for Co- everything. Costume design, probably not. Directing, no. absolutely. Yeah. Braveheart, Babe, Dead Man Walking, Leaving Las Vegas, and The Postman or El Postino in its native language. Get Dead Man Walking out of there. I've never heard of it. Um, film editing, amazing. Yeah. Um, makeup, that's fine. The score was good. I don't know if it was Oscar worthy. I'm fine leaving them out. Best picture, absolutely. Oh, for sure. Wow, I didn't know this either. Braveheart won, Apollo 13. Babe was nominated for best picture. Get it. That's crazy. Ow. Maybe I need to reframe Babe in my head. Maybe Babe's like a really good movie. I just always <laughs> thought it was like a little kid's movie that I loved growing up. That'll do Babe. Babe That'll wait. do. Babe, no, Babe. <laughs> the Postman or El Postino. And Sense and Sensibility. Get Sense and Sensibility out of there. Yeah. What is, um, is that? Julia. Louise. Vict, Victoria. It's a writer. Jane Prickett. What's happening? He's having you, a Sage, seizure. <laughs> Sage having a stroke. I was just trying to guess quick before. Jane Austen. Jane Austen. It's a Jane Austen novel. Yes. Emma Thompson and Kate Winslet were in it. Um, but here's the real one that it really should have won sound. Yeah. Now it's going up against a really, really good winner. Apollo 13, fantastic sound in that one as well. But I think this one beats it. Batman forever. Also nominated Braveheart. Also nominated both very worthy crimson tide. Never seen it. And, uh, Michael Nip favorite water world starring Nick cage. I'm sure those are all those last two are good, but get crimson tide out of there. So it wasn't nominated for a single thing. Not nominated for a single thing. Not nominated for Academy Award or Golden Globe. What Sound effects snub. editing. There are only three nominated. Braveheart won, Batman Forever, and Crimson Tide. Get this in here. What a snub. Visual effects. I mean, Oscar I guess. Champ. They yeah. Writing, screenplay, um, written directly for the screen. Actually, this one probably would have gotten screenplay based on material previously produced or published. Sense and Sensibility, Apollo 13, Babe, Leaving Las Vegas, The Postman, El Postino. 
Any of those. Get him out of there. That's Sense and wild. Sensibility one. Get Sense and Sensibility out of there. I did not know Emma Thompson wrote that, though. Wrote the screenplay for that. That's kind of impressive. But, yeah. Just an absolute crime. I, I'm i getting closer and closer to being on Sage's side here. Like, I, I, I shouldn't say that. I already am on Sage's side, but I'm getting closer and closer to, like, forgetting about the Oscars for the rest of my life. <laughs> it's a lot easier. They, but they, I will say that Mr. Holland's opus is an incredible movie. They're not wrong in finding good movies, but they are wrong in a lot of ways of leaving out mm-hmm. movies that should be in there, in the talk. Yeah, I mean, this is IMDb's number 112 for highest rated movies. Yeah. Let's get into, yeah, what are the other ratings? And we can yeah. kind of wrap this up. Um, so from the aggregators, IMDb an 8.3 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes an 88% and Metacritic a 76 out of 100. Let's see what the Rotten Tomatoes um, audience score. 94 for the audience. Metacritic. Yeah, Metacritic, this, bad what? job. Metacritic's crazy. They're a crazy little mans. Yeah. I can go first. Uh, it's kind of hard to talk about this movie as you can tell by the lack of words I've put into this podcast, mostly because it's, there's like nothing really wrong with it. It is very, very good for me. It wasn't necessarily mind blowing, um, but it was very entertaining. And even though it was three hours and it was probably the worst time to have me watch a three hour movie, it actually went by relatively quickly. That's on me. My bad. That's okay. It well, like, when the hour, I actually timed myself to only watch an hour and 45 minutes last night and it went through and I was mildly tempted to finish the movie, but I was like, no, you need to go to sleep. And then, yeah. So, uh, but I could have finished the movie. Real like, quick was, question. When was your break? Cause I also broke it about an hour. I ended at the bank, end of the bank scene. I think the end of the bank scene was like an hour and 50 in. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, that was like going to say, I was like, I thought that was close to the two hour mark. Yeah, yeah. It was like hour and fifty, hour and fifty-five. I took my break right after they did the, right after De Niro had the fake meat in the cargo yard. Anyway, uh, what was I saying? Um, all the acting performances were good. It was well shot. I don't know. I don't want to say simple because it wasn't simple. It just reminded me a little bit of L.A. Confidential, where it was like very good, obviously very entertaining, very suspenseful but not like for me groundbreaking. So I think it gets an 88 for me, but I think De Niro and Al Pacino was an insanely good combo. Like a, in the, I can't, I'm sure I can't think of a duo that was like chemistry as good as they were. Mm-hmm. What I kind of compare this one to a little bit is um, like, cause I think it focuses more on the, yeah, like the characters than it is like the, the, um, plot and like having twists and turns. Like I was trying to think of other movies we've seen like Chinatown maybe, where it's kind of like uh crime versus uh, justice kind of idea. Um, but this movie, I think like everything's laid out for you as far as like what they're doing, what's happening and they're trying to catch them. Um, there's not a lot of surprises I feel like in the movie, but they absolutely nailed the characters um, and all of the relationships with everybody and the character. Yeah. Everything for like c- character development side. This movie is awesome. Um, what'd you score it? 88. 88. Man, I'm so I'm tossing with this one. Um, I think 
going into this, I was going to give it a 90. And I think after talking through it, there's so many things that I love about this movie that's going to bump it up to a 95. So I'm going to give it a 95. This is, yeah. I mean, this is one of my favorite movies we've watched. Um, it's, yeah. I, it, I Like Sage said, I think like it, it hits it just on every single level from acting to uh, the sound to like the, the plot was just fucking awesome. Uh, yeah. The, all the little details were nailed. Um, it was really cool. It was an awesome movie. Loved it. Yeah. I'm going to kind of go a little bit of sage here and bring the stars into this. I don't, I, I'm not quite ready to give it a full five stars, but it is four and a half. Um, and it's right on the cusp. I'm giving it a 94. I'm with you. This movie just was awesome. This is a movie that has been like supposed to have been released in 4k for the past, like two and a half, three years. Everybody, like all the channels that I watch or the channel I watch on YouTube is like release heat, release heat. And like some of the people I follow, they're like release heat. And I was like, I've never heard of heat. I don't care if you release it. But now I'm like, holy shit, release heat. As soon as I get paid, I think I'm going to pre-order it um, slash order it because I think it is coming out. Um, and that's when I'll rewatch it on 4K with like the best quality sound, the best quality picture. Cause I did watch it in 4K on Apple TV plus, but it'll just be that much better on the physical disc. So I'm very excited for that. Um, so yeah, 94 for me, that is an average score of that's not right. <laughs> Let's try that again. I just divided your two scores by three. Let's add mine in there. That is an average score of 92. Um, so the next episode, I don't know what it is yet, but it will not be a traditional episode. So we're not going to announce what the next episode is going to be, but Sage, do you have a movie ready for the episode after that? No. <laughs> okay. We won't announce that either. No. Then. That will hopefully be announced in whatever our next episode will be. I don't know if I'm going to do a mini episode. It depends on if I watch like a crazy good movie between now and next Monday. Um, or if I, th there's ideas that I have in my head that I know could be fun and exciting. I just have not gotten them out of my head yet and formulated them into an actual idea. Um, so hopefully I can do that on the drive to Kansas tomorrow. Um, so yeah, something's coming next monday we just don't know what it is yet so if that doesn't get you excited i don't know what will yeah and you know what fuck it i do have a movie pick next <laughs> oh really okay <laughs> you kind of chuckled and this so this you know, it seems like a fuck it kind of pick it is a fuck it kind of pick oh boy it's how it's how many fucks i'm giving everything right now <laughs> is I, it a danish i film? joked no but it is from my friend casper who has the worst tasted movies of anyone i know in my life where this one goes out to my boy Casper. Uh, we're going to watch Nacho Libre. <laughs> oh my God. What? Yeah. <laughs> wow. I have not seen Nacho in so long. That'll Holy be a fun cow. One to watch. I, the, uh, that is not the movie that I thought you were going to say. No, it's literally Nacho. one of his favorite movies of all time. It's his favorite no, it's one of his favorites, and it's only because of like two or three scenes that just make him laugh <laughs> extremely hard. <laughs> from my from my memory of Nacho, it makes me laugh kind of good. When I was leaving, I was like, "And for you, I'm gonna pick Nacho Libre as my next pick." And he was like, "Okay." And then I was like, in my head, I was like, "I'm not gonna do that to myself." <laughs> and then I just said, "You know what? Fuck it. I'm just gonna do it." 
<laughs> you know what's even worse than having Nacho Libre be the next pick? The fact that I'm gonna have to spend money on Nacho Libre because it is not streaming anywhere besides Showtime. Is it really? Oh man, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine with me too. It's like three. Bucks. It's only be a couple bucks, but Oof. I'm kind of excited. We haven't have you ever seen it. Yeah, definitely. Okay, I yeah. saw it when it first came out, but I haven't seen it since. I haven't seen it in so long. Yeah, I haven't seen it since like I don't when know. It came out like 2009. 2006. I love it. We got to just, I love it. Wow. Speaking of, I don't know if you listened to the episode with Harrison yet, but he was talking about how all of our picks are so expected. He's not going to expect this one. Shaking it up, baby. I love it. Well, I was like, man, Tate's picked several really shitty movies. Jacob's maybe picked one. So maybe it's, I mean, Chronicles is an incredible movie. So that's just (laughs) an asterisk. That's, that's a fluke on you guys. Um, So I just got toss one in there. Yeah, I eventually I will pick a bad one. I promise. I, I've got a really good one for my next one that I just saw is actually streaming somewhere. So I'm very excited for that. It just started streaming. I just got the notification a couple of days ago. It's funny because oh, wow. I think I got a silly one coming up for us this week too. Okay. Well, this, this there we go. Time. Our next pick is Nacho Libre. Um, very unexpected. I am very Nacho! excited. For it. Nacho. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, if you would like to reach out to us, you can email us at gd4ampodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at gd4gd.movies. You can follow us on Twitter at gd4gd underscore movies. Leave us a five-star rating on Spotify. Leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And if not, I'm going to nail you to a shed. You can't steal my fun fact and then use it. <laughs> I had a different one, but that one was way better. <laughs> wow. That's tough, because that's literally the one I was going to use. <laughs> um, I'm going to hunt you down in an airport and then turn all the lights on. I'm sorry. I'm going to leave you in 30 seconds, bitch. Once the heat turns on, Once I'm leaving. Once the heat's on, baby. I'm going to turn the heat on on you in the summer in your house, sucka. All right, bitch. So you got one better than that? No. You'll, you'll give somebody COVID on their flight home. <laughs> All right, we'll catch you next week at the movies. people around but i may have gone too far in a few places hey everybody we're all gonna get late